0: Welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a little bedtime story. In the dead of August, I'm so happy to have a story for you that may make you feel a little cooler. This week's story was sent in by Dan Cardoza Dan's most recent darkness has been featured in Aphelion, Blaze Vox, Black Petals, Blood Moon Rising, Bull, The Chamber Magazine, Chilling Tales for Dark Nights Podcast, Cleaver, Entropy, The Horror Zine, Mystery Tribune, and Suspense Magazine. Wow, I wish my resume looked like that. Past nominations have included Best of the Net, Twice, and Best Microfiction Pieces, Dan has placed three speculative horror collections on Amazon and his first novel. So without further ado, here is Desolation Wilderness, A Ghost Story. So much can be learned using a measuring cup or any other scale that shows capacity. However, calibrating something unknown can prove difficult. Calibrating the depth and width of pathos, especially related to grief, is unfathomable. I should know. I've gone down a lot of tight rabbit and wormholes in my life, Each experience was a measurement of any sorts. Yet even wormholes defy logic and metaphysical yardsticks. They simply exist. It's the same with ghosts. Cassie and I met at Stanford. She told me back then that I made her skin crawl, but in a good way. Using scholarships and hard-earned money from working part-time, we both got through college without debt Bachelor's degrees in hand, we transferred to UCLA. I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Jack Warren. My degree was in computer science. Cassie has a degree in speech therapy. I was the science guy. Cassie is more esoteric and open to whatever. She calls what she does for a living the art of linguistics. I call it the architecture of vowels. She's still employed. After completing graduate school, we got hitched in Vegas. Cassie insisted on Elvis. Elvis was our rhinestone minister. He married us in the front seat of a pink Cadillac. He wore a cape and played the guitar during our ceremony. Not long after we got married, we took jobs on the East Coast. Cassie wanted the experience of somewhere new, different. Back then, I let her drag me along. We moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, of all places. Adjusting to our new life was difficult. However, by the second year of our marriage, we began to feel more at home. In short order, we'd conjured a house into a home. At the same time, we got started on this large family Cassie always wanted. Cassie struggled with her pregnancy. Some things aren't meant to be. Check this out. On the bright side, after her postpartum depression, out of the blue, I was offered my dream job back in sunny California. Well, technically the employer was located in Reno, Nevada, but... We'd committed to living in California, come hell or high water. It was sad. Cassie cried her head off because of what she'd been through and what she was leaving behind. Earned grief can be such an anchor. Celebrating hadn't crossed our minds after all that had occurred. This is about the time something went missing between us. You know, like when a mechanic leaves a few bolts out of an engine rebuild? The engine still runs, but it makes a few noises you never heard before. Cassie was a trooper, though. She supported our relocation. She agreed to sacrifice a job she dearly loved. So, we sold our perfect home and moved out west, where the sun sets. I was selfish. I know that. I convinced her with my new salary we could afford to have more children, that large family she always wanted. We'd have those peculiar, strange, lovable, artistic children she wanted. After all, we had the genes. We'll have a lot of extra money, Cass. You'll have the choice to work or not. It was pathetic, as if it was my job to assign choices. Shortly before our move, International Game Technologies and I made it official. They'd given in and agreed to create a new job position just for me. I would hire on as the new project director for the West Coast. IGT's motto is, The possibilities are infinity. That's the way I looked at my new career, and our new start in California. Cassie said, with a $300,000 sign up bonus. How can we refuse? I agreed. I was quickly placed in charge of the company's new gaming software development. This included a shitload of new interactive gaming machines. Our intent was to stuff a ton of them in Indian casinos located throughout California and out west. Cassie had the choice of working for Placer or El Dorado County, or not. It was her choice. The more selfish I became, the more perfect everything looked on my end. And so, we reestablished our lives in California. The cool thing was, my new employer agreed to let me set up a new branch office in South Lake Tahoe. I'd have that house in California after all. I'd commute across Lake Tahoe using a speedboat. <laughs> I know, crazy good right? So, we bought this perfect cabin on a hill with a view of Emerald Bay. The cabin is on the west side of Lake Tahoe. It's up a steep incline after you cross Highway 89. Highway 89 is a two-way state road that outlines the west side of the lake. The cabin's zigzagged gravel driveway hid our rustic cabin from view. The cabin's backyard is a national forest. Our cabin was smack-dab at the entrance to the Desolation Wilderness area. It's still located there. Come visit sometime? It was a dream living there. From our... my... kitchen window, I could see clear down the hill, across the highway, and out to Emerald Bay and its haunted island. From our master bedroom, we could choose to let the forest in or not simply by powering on the expansive electric drapes. There is this gigantic window I used to look through. It made me feel as though I was part of everything out there in the forest, the desolation wilderness area. Shortly after we moved, I purchased my awesome speedboat. It took me less than 15 minutes to get to work. That is if I didn't break the law. I had purchased the Eliminator Eagle from a seller on boats.com. It's a 30-foot aluminum high-performance watercraft. What sold me was its $10,000 stereo system. At 57 miles per hour, it felt as though I was being launched across the lake. I kicked in the afterburners at night on my way home. It was so fast, I was afraid to check the speedometer. I docked the boat at the Tahoe Keys Marina. From there, I'd walk to work or grab an Uber. Our branch office was only a hop, skip, and a jump away from the lucrative gambling industry at South Shore Lake Tahoe. I had the coolest office setup. It was furnished with the most forward-looking technologies available. Things seemed perfect. Or so I thought. But distractions only get you so far, right? Something was pounding in my head. It wasn't an evil sound, and yet, it wasn't a good sound. It was this quiet voice, yet, it wasn't. A Ghost Story We all have one, a ghost story, yet only handfuls of ghost stories are Painfully true. I was in my office in South Lake Tahoe. I'd been working at my job going on 16 years. In my industry, I was considered a programming god. Things were looking good. Believe it or not, I'd installed one of those Ring doorbells on my cabin door. I used my Ring app frequently while at work. There were a lot of us in the woods that had a lot of private property to hide and protect, if you know what I mean. Checking up on it was important. Anyway, one day I stepped outside of my office in South Lake Tahoe for a badly needed break. I'd lit a cigarette. I could hear the ring doorbell notice in my right pocket as I lit the cigarette. It was the gong sound. Damned if I'd grown to hate that sound. It reminded me of everything I thought I'd forgotten. I opened the Ring app, expecting to see one of my neighbors, or at least the juvenile black bear, that had been causing havoc in the area. I was shocked. I was transfixed on the visual. My heart leapt and stuck in my throat like a dry toad. Jesse yelled, The hell's going on, Jack? Startled, I fumbled the iPhone, dropping on the deck. Jesse was our branch accountant. He'd join me on the expansive deck just outside our office. He loved sneaking up on me. Jesse! Jesus! It's her! I said. Jesse looked at me as if he hadn't a clue. He stood silently and stared. In a panic, I snatched up the smartphone and ran down the building's exterior wooden stairway, leaving three steps at a time. I yelled up at Jesse. Let an admin know I'll be out for the remainder of the day. I'll be back in the morning. I would never return. Barely audible, I could hear Jesse yell down at me. He's trying to tell you something. It's for your own good. As I glanced up, Jesse wasn't there. I asked myself out loud and out of breath, Was Jesse really out there? I felt as though I'd begun to lose my mind. Adrenaline-fueled anxiety weighted me down as I landed at ground level, gasping for air. A few blocks from work, I caught my usual Uber driver, Lorenzo. Lorenzo knew to take me to the Tahoe Keys, where my boat had always been docked. I asked Lorenzo to stop at Starbucks. It's the one off Highway 50. He didn't mind. We'd done this a time or two. Besides, I was a good tipper. After I got out of the car, I hurried along the paved lot, up to the front door. Just to the side of the entrance, an older gentleman was sitting cross-legged on the sidewalk. He was wearing a long, blue, woolen coat, and a smashed fedora that looked much better in the 19th century. The rim sat awkwardly slanted above his thinning brows. He raised his sunken eyes. "'Sir, can you spare two quarters?' Baba used to call him two bits. Quarters? I asked abruptly. I'm in a hurry. Can I catch you on my way out? I asked. You've shut down from all the pain, sir. That's why you can't love anymore. I recall looking into the man's hollowed eyes. Dude, what the hell are you talking about? So what? I do my best to keep my past out of my mind. Besides, how in the hell do you know what I'm thinking? The older man lowered his eyes, as if admonished. His beard was gray and mangy. He smelled of scotch whiskey. His hands appeared wrinkled and bony, like a commercial fisherman. Suddenly, he stretched his open hand toward me. Reach out. For it's too late, he said. What in the hell are you talking about, dude? I nearly shouted, placing both hands in my pockets. The grizzled man imploded, withdrawing his hand. I apologize, Jack, but in truth, they both miss you. You can't be whole or free until you forgive yourself. That's what we've been trying to tell you. Tell me. the hell are you talking about, old man? (sighs) Okay, that's enough. I've had it. I busted through the front door at Starbucks, making a scene. I got in line. When it was my turn, I purchased a flat white. The Uber driver preferred straight-up coffee. He worked long hours. I ordered a chai latte. I paid with a $20 bill so I could get loose change for the older man, as promised. It dawned on me that the older gentleman reminded me of Captain Dick Barter, an old ghost of a man who'd drowned back in the 1870s. On a crisp November morning, he'd rowed his boat north to a local bar at Homewood. He'd left from Finette Island in the middle of Emerald Bay. The island is called Finette Island to this day. Anticipating his death, Captain Barter had built a small mausoleum on one of the island's small outcroppings. He had requested to be interned there. As the story goes, on his way home, Captain Dick fell into the water and drowned. It was assumed he'd sunk to the bottom, some 1,400 feet straight down. According to Google, his body was never discovered. Had I seen the ghost of Captain Dick in front of Starbucks? Once outside, the man was no longer in sight. He'd left me with spare change, something I hated. Before I climbed back into my Uber, I looked back to examine where the ghost of the man had been seated on the sidewalk. The only thing left was a puddle of water. It was as if someone had hosed away the crazy man. Did this really happen? I mumbled. How in the hell did he know my name? How did he get so deep into my past? I shivered as I slammed the car door. It began to rain. I hated crossing the lake in the rain. Later in the day, at the cabin's kitchen table, I reviewed all the photos stored in my ring application. All the photos had a date and a timestamp. I became distraught and fearful, as I gazed at one photo in particular. It can't be, I asked out loud. Later that evening, after dinner, I seated myself next to the wooden table on the deck. Darkness had begun to collect its shadows. Up above, the moon appeared as silver cutlery, maybe a scythe. Chills crawled up and down my spine, as if a colony of icy spiders. I thumbed through the ring images and motion detections again. I'd gone through every last one of them. There she was, standing about a foot in front of the ring camera. It was my daughter, Marcy. It was no biggie, only... Marcy had been dead for over two years. She appeared soaking wet in the photo. She was more vapor and mist than flesh. But there she was, without any doubt. Marcy's passing had done a lot of damage. Most assumed she'd drowned on a summer outing with friends. It was only a few years after the drowning when Cassie left me for good. Guilt has a way of corroding almost anything inside of you, including love. We cried. We grieved over the last few years, but separately. Cassie had been successful dealing with her losses, obviously. She divorced me and moved on. It was like Cassie and I had turned into mirrors mirrors of grief and destruction. Over time, the only thing we could see was each other's reflections. It wasn't pretty. Losing children can destroy everything inside and around you. The only way I could cope during those last few years was to cut off my past and entomb it in an emotional concrete structure, like they did at Chernobyl. I didn't know it then, but when she left for good, she'd done me a favor. I needed the reality check. Over two years ago, nearly to the day, I'd overruled Cassie and let Marcy go on a swimming party at Zephyr Cove. Zephyr Cove is on the Nevada side of Lake Tahoe. She was so excited to do something that she considered adult-like. Most of her friends were older. Zephyr Cove has a shallow beach. It catches more sunlight than any other part of Lake Tahoe. Rumor has it, Zephyr Cove is the only part of Lake Tahoe that's almost warm in the summer. Marcy was 13. She still is. As a father, I'd committed to not being a helicopter parent. Cassie disagreed, for once. She asked that I not let Marcy go on the swimming trip. There were too many unknowns, too many older kids. When she left, Marcy was still pissed at her mother. Her mother was pissed at me. Marcy blew me kisses as she left with the older kids in the car. I was certain there weren't enough seatbelts. We'd gotten a call later that evening. It was one of Marcy's friends. She'd gone missing while swimming. They'd waited for the longest time before returning home. Someone's dad wanted his car back. Did she make it home, Mr. Warren? This 18-year-old kid named Kevin asked, Hell no, I thought she was with you guys. Why are you asking me? I'd said, the voice on the other end inhaled and hung up the phone. I'll get right to the point. That's the day my daughter, Marcy, disappeared from the planet Earth. At least in physical form. She has never been found, drowned or otherwise. The authorities spent weeks combing the lake with sonar... Deep divers hadn't spotted anything other than a few sunken boats. After a week, the search was discontinued. I'd taken time off work and scoured Zephyr Cove and the surrounding area. I found nothing. In my gut, I knew Marcy would never return. Up until recently, the word gone hadn't resonated. It's when a permanent part of your emotional anatomy has been cut out and discarded. Not long after Marcy's disappearance and the divorce, Cassie moved back to Pittsburgh. She went back to work as a speech therapist. She'd committed to helping children with speech issues. Me? I moved backwards, quickly, Since I was alone, I'd done a lot of soul-searching and illusion-chasing. That wasn't like me. And so today, I got the shock of my life. While I was at work, my daughter Marcy showed up on my doorstep. I captured her image, for God's sake. As I looked at the Ring app images, under a porch light full of insects, I noticed how Marcy hadn't aged. That told me something was out of whack. I also noticed that she was wearing the same shorts and blouse she wore the day she disappeared. The worst part for me that evening was that Marcy was smiling in the photo. It was the same smile she'd given me the day she left for Zephyr Cove. The smile killed me. Crushed, I decided that night to never return to work. Before I headed to bed, I poured myself another drink. A stiff one. Little did I know that going forward, I would mostly live in a bottle. At the shallow end. My last summer swim was in August 2021. I intended to get in a last morning swim. I made it a weekly habit to freestyle around Captain Dick's Island and back to the shoreline. Feeling heavy, I decided to take a shortcut, straight out and back. I wouldn't take my usual loop around the haunted island. After kicking off from the rocks at the island, I intended to return where I'd entered the water. It was early, maybe 7 a.m. A thick mist insisted on rising above the water like a shroud. The sun, a glowing champagne color to the east, had begun to slowly pour its magical hue over the top of the Sierras. It was an attempt to warn Emerald Bay. I was maybe 50 yards from where I had entered the freezing bay at the shoreline, Suddenly, I felt something. It was a hand. I was certain it was a hand. The hand wrapped its bony metatarsals around my right ankle. No, I thought to myself, it's just late summer weeds. Whatever it was, it was pulling me down into the crystal blue lagoon. I found myself tugged deeper and deeper under the frigid water. The curly-leaf pondweed was invasive lake blight. It had arrived and infested much of Lake Tahoe in the early 90s. Emerald Bay had its share. I felt as though someone or something had attempted to climb up from the depths, using my legs as flesh ladders. Icy fingers clawed at my calves and thighs. Before... finally letting go. it Marcy? Or Captain Dick, the drowned ghost of the 19th century? Nearly out of breath, I jetted to the surface. I screamed into what was now the beginning of fall. Impossibly so. The once brilliant sky had clouded over. The clouds appeared heavy as if made out of salvaged, rusty, riveted gray bridge beams. The clouds creaked and cracked. Rivets popped loose. The ominous, dark structure had begun to sag nearly to the water's surface. I could feel the sky's claustrophobic weight as I reached the shoreline. The sky collapsed, and it began to pour. Disoriented and exhausted at the shoreline, I made sure to crawl at least ten feet at the gravelly bank. It's there. I passed out. When I awoke, it was still raining. The blood from my legs had turned into plasma as it washed down onto the gravel toward the water. By the time I reached home, I had convinced myself that I must have gotten tangled up in one of those sunken trees I'd read about. You know, the ones that are maybe 200 years old and rise to the surface now and then from their watery graves. While watching the warm glow, of a brisk fire that night. I drifted off into cloudless dreams, dreams where drowning in the dark waters of your past wasn't the worst thing that could happen to you. I woke early the next morning, compelled to end one of my dreams. In the dream, I was an artist, this Salvador Dali guy the crazed-looking dolly guy is the brilliant artist who famously painted melting clocks. In my dream, Salvador had placed one of the warped clocks over a painting of Captain Jack's boat. It covered the entire boat and oars in one distorted piece of ticking taffy. Everything that was happening was in slow motion. Molasses time... I worried that time had finally caught up with Captain Dick, my Marcy, and now, me. Winter arrived. It was late in December, somehow I had managed to hang on. I'd been living off my savings, having gotten fired from yet another part-time snow removal job. I had no regrets other than having too much time on my hands. I sold my wonderful speedboat at a discount to someone in L.A. Speed was the last thing I needed. I wasn't going to end up dead at the bottom of Lake Tahoe like Captain Dick. I was sitting at my kitchen table, nursing another bottle of Jack Daniels. Anyway, I poured myself dinner... ...and gulped it down. Through the window... ...over the kitchen sink... ...the beginning of darkness... ...was shoving nightfall down my throat. Tears streamed down my face... ...having opened myself up... ...to all possibilities. It's funny how that happens... ...when you're all out of choices. Buck up, shit for brains. It's going to get worse. I said to myself as I pushed myself away from the kitchen table. It got worse. I attempted to hit the sack early, lying on top of my bed. Anxiety attacks washed over me like waves. I stood out the bedroom window. I watched as the declining weather made a fist with wind and snow Two images appeared in the distance, maybe. I slammed the ass end of the bottle back on the tabletop. The base of the bottle dented the wooden surface in two half moons. I couldn't get any angrier or afraid. I rubbed my eyes as if they were infected with grief. I missed my family. Somehow, I forced myself to look out the window at what I thought was the nothingness of nightfall that very moment I gave up my disbelief in ghosts for the first time in my life I realized that they do exist I'd seen enough streaming paranormal content to know that was all bullshit first of all you can't simply discover ghosts ghosts are much more personal you have to earn the ability to see hear and communicate with them And this requires an emotional connection, usually something involving something you've lost, that you dearly loved. What the hell am I looking at? My voice was sobering. What I was looking at had once been frightening and impossible. There were two figures, two shapes, Out there in the graying snow. Both forms were about the height and stature of my daughter, Marcy. I was certain that one of the entities was my daughter, Marcy. I was certain of that. She was shivering and blue. The color of a frozen angel. Jesus! I said, nearly shouting. Marcy was wearing her summer shorts. And that teal, floral blouse... She left. The other silhouette, the tortured one leaning against Marcy, was more sight of beef than human. Raw meat locker beef, like the ones hanging in a butcher shop locker. It hung heavy on Marcy's shoulder. What appeared to be alive and breathing was bleeding into the snow next to Marcy. It was freezing cold, and yet the blood pooled at their feet. My images appeared alien in the glossy window. Not having heard my voice in such a long time, I sounded foreign. Snow continued to fall. The wind continued to howl. Everything was infected with white noise. The scratchy decibels clouded my thinking. From up on the hillside, maybe 50 feet in the distance... My Marcy extended her arm. In the light of my flashlight, she was beckoning me. She uncurled and curled her index finger, again and again, as if to say, Come hither, Father. Her gestures were numb and slow. I grew certain the desolation wilderness was calling me. Before I know it, I found myself out in the blizzard. The wind had picked up. The weather insisted on driving its icy crystal slivers into my bare skin, each snowflake anesthesia. I looked down, I looked up. The artificial light was paralyzing. Was I really in an old pair of jeans and a t-shirt? Barefoot? After looking up the hill again, the two figures had disappeared, and so I moved closer to where they would stood. Knee-deep in snow and darkness, I made good use of my LED flashlight. I looked closer, bent over. Blood speckled the whiteness. I slowly moved my head upward, following a trail of blood up the mountainside. Surely a hunter had dragged a blood-drenched buck further into the forest. Suddenly, as if lightning had ignited each of my synapses, it came to me. Marcy and Aspen had been born, conjoined twins. They'd been ripped apart at birth. It all added up. Marcy had joined her sister somehow, after she disappeared that summer. Her guilt, like mine, meant she could never live alone. Joining her sister was the right thing to do. After dredging up the hill in the snow, there they were again. I'd guessed about 100 feet up the slope on a mound. Marcy was smiling. She continued to wave me deeper into the snowy forest. Looking back through the lens of hindsight at what seemed like a lifetime ago, Cassie and I had made a very decision when the twins were born back in Pittsburgh Pittsburgh had been our first home we were told by this team of skilled surgeons that we could only save one of our daughters and that was Marcy Marcy had most of the vital organs our identical twin Aspen was attached to Marcy at the hips lower back and rib cage. Aspen was severely deformed, maybe half human if she were able to stand. Aspen was mostly legs. In truth, she had one knotted rope of a leg and one foot. Somehow, she was Marcy's height. In the end, after the detachment, Aspen was mainly torso. She had half a skull and a train wreck for a shoulder. God, she was cute. She'd been born with a permanent smile from the middle of her face to her right ear. It was so difficult back then, having to make an adult decision. But in the end, we wanted Marcy to live. The separation surgery took approximately 12 hours. It seemed like a lifetime. Not long after, maybe a few days, we had our open wound, Aspen, cremated. When we moved, we took her back to California. We scattered Aspen's ashes in the Emerald Bay. We got rid of her the best way we knew how help. We were only kids ourselves when we had to make a horrific decision. All of a sudden, I could hear the ghost of Captain Dick speak from somewhere in the snowy wilderness. Sorry, Jack. It's time. time. His voice was surround sound. It was firm and confident. I knew that was you at Starbucks, Cap. Jack Warren, I believe in you. For some reason, it sounded as though Cap's voice was everywhere. It was kinetic and inviting in some strange way. It was comforting. Cap, I'm on to you. You are only a delusion. A true ghost story at best. That's all. You are simply a goddamned auditory hallucination. Sorry, pal. Nice try, Jack. Oh, by the way. Aspen has forgiven you. Marcy, too. In fact, Cassie forgave you herself years ago. You just wouldn't listen. If only you could have let go of all the pain, Jack. Things might have been different between you two. But all that's too late, Jack. It's time. It's time for what, Cap? It's time for you to follow your lovely young daughters into the desolation wilderness. Where will we end up, Cap? Well, if you don't know where you're going, then it really doesn't matter where you'll end up, Jack. Does it? Let me put it this way. We are going just far enough so you can forgive yourself. Like a slave to love, I placed one black foot in front of the other. I began to dredge up the hill into all the whiteness, I began to think how there is nothing more pathetic or hopeless than how we humans punish ourselves. Thanks for listening. Thank you again to Dan Cardoza for this beautiful and moving story. Uh, I really enjoyed producing it. Remember, if you'd like me to fiddle with one of your stories, you can send it in to scareyoutosleep at gmail.com to be considered. And again, I'm pretty backed up on stories, but I do end up getting to eventually read all of them. And don't hesitate. If you're a hobby author or a new author, really don't. Um, you never know what you're capable of. I mean, I started this whole show because I was a hobby author and no one else would take my story. So, you never know what could happen. Um, so let's see. What did I bake this week? I didn't bake this week. This has been a really busy week trying to get ready because actually, you're listening to this while I'm already in Dallas, but I leave for Dallas tomorrow morning and of course I wanted to get this done for you and Time has been there's it's just not enough hours in the day. It was one of those. It's been one of those summers, basically, not enough hours in the day. I'm hoping some at some point, um, you know, something slows down. <laughs> but I also don't want it to slow down. If you know what I mean, it's like I'm happy to be busy, but I'm also tired. Getting uh, my brain, is just needs some rest. I think, but uh, that will come. Rest will come. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't bake this week, Um, I basically just worked all week through the weekend, yeah, and today's Monday when I'm recording this, and I worked all through today, all through the weekend, and I've been running errands, trying to get ready for leaving. You know when you go out of town, there's just always... I'm one of those overpackers who I, I don't really necessarily overpack with clothes except this time I did, but (laughs) I usually overpack with like toiletries. I don't know why it's, and I, I tell other people this, like there's going to be a store there. Dallas has stores, but for some reason I'm like, I got to pack two toothpastes. What if I run out of toothpaste? And it's, 3 in the morning and there's no stores open. I don't know. But there is flooding in Dallas right now and I hope that everyone is safe and sound. We luckily my flight is still on time, on schedule, but I know a few other people got caught out today in the storms and I really hope everyone is okay. I hope you're all drying off and uh yeah, I hope everything everyone's safe if you're listening to this and you are one of my Dallas listeners. Um, I'm going to be at that podcast movement. So again, if you're there, feel free to say hi and come to my panel. Please come to my panel, John Grills and Pacific Obadiah. We'll we'll be talking about horror podcasts. It's going to be a great great time. Feel free to come up to me and ask questions and just say hi. <laughs> I love saying hi to people. All right, I'm going to go because I still have a lot to do. I still have things to pack, things to do. I want to spend as much time with my little kitty Clara as I can. This is going to be the first time I'm away from her and I'm very sad to leave her. How quickly these amazing little creatures become our constant companions, especially since I work from home. I am never without her, so I'm I'm sad to leave her. But I, again, I hope to see some of you there, maybe. I know this is a little different. Again, this is not like a place to go be a fan. It's very networky. So, you know, I don't know if I will. But if, if you're there, if you're another podcaster, then say hi. All right. Um, that's about it. Oh, join the Patreon page. That's going to be a little better soon because I won't be just running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Um, I'm going to do that ramble video. I might have a chance to film it while I'm in Dallas. We'll see. I would really like to. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go. Okay. (laughs) I love you. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.